What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Kids Podcast. Today, we're joined by Shad uh, Shulik alumni, and I feel like we wouldn't do you justice if we introduced you. So how about we get straight into business and you introduce yourself, a little bit of who you are and uh, what you do. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Shad. Um, Shulik alumni graduated in 2019, uh, current data analyst of uh, the Toronto Raptors and Toronto Maple Leafs primarily. And overall, overall, just a fun, loving guy that's super excited to be here. So thank you once again. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Great. I mean, yes, as uh, we were talking beforehand, um, I met you at like a, a Nova conference. I'm pretty sure like you gave like a, a little talk and yeah. you were also in like a working aspect of it. And I feel like I speak for like every single guy that when you're like, oh, I work at MLSC and like I'm working with the Raptors and yeah. Maple Leafs, like everybody's like ears just kind of like perked up. They're really excited <laughs> to hear from you and stuff. And it's kind of yeah, like, like uh, honestly, I I don't consider my, myself like a really <laughs> special guy. Besides like the fact that I guess they work for a really great company. So I'd love to tell you guys a bit about it and see where this conversation goes. Yeah. Right. So for people who don't know, just to get into it, like what's kind of your day to day? What do you do at your job? And like, how are you involved in the company? Just to, you know, get a bit of foundation. Yeah. Um, I think I can start off with like the origin story, like how I ended up here, right? Like. You don't really hear too many Shulik alumni that are working at the company that um, I currently work at. So um, just a little bit about how I actually started out. Um, so essentially, MLSC, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, um, they're a huge company, right? One of the largest uh, sports and entertainment franchises or uh, properties and owners in North America by far. Um, in terms of recruitment for, uh, for university students, they don't really do a lot of recruitment. The only type of uh, recruitment event that they really have is this one case competition that they host for all business students from all business schools across Canada. They do this once a year, right? So essentially when I was in my second year, uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, but a while ago, um, that was the first year this case competition ever existed, right? It was the first year uh, of its inception. And essentially it was open to MBA students uh, for Schulich and then third and fourth years only, right? But I was in my second year. So essentially, like uh, this, the case competition was pitched and marketed through uh, like uh, the school's clubs, like YMA, YSBA. And on my application, like I completely lied and I wrote that I was a third year, even though like I wasn't allowed to technically compete in a case competition meant for older people. I thought like to myself, the, the rationale or the thinking there was, why should the year that I'm in really matter when like I have some great ideas that I really want to apply in a, in a case competition that looks really fun for a really great company, right? So right. completely lied, um, was allocated or placed on a team with, uh, with four other fourth years. None of these guys, like I never met um, prior to that case competition. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, like I learned more, like I learned more like concepts and knowledge from those four fourth years than I did like my entire second year of Shulik, like in, in <laughs> marketing classes or whatever it may be, right? Like when you're actually like in the works, like working with people that are like older than you and just have a lot of knowledge, like you can absorb so much so fast. And I think that's one of like the best experiences I had by far at Shulik. So I competed in that case competition in my second year, third year and fourth year. And then essentially how it works is that there's a, a regional round. So you compete against other Schulich students and then a national round. You compete against Ivy Queens, like Ryerson, UFT, all the other schools, right? So I 
I won, what's it called? The Schulich round all three years in a row and then placed top three at nationals all three years in a row. And so essentially I was given a interview offer in my, or an interview opportunity in my fourth year. Um, I basically pitched to them and I said, hey, look, like these are the skills that I have. I'm gonna X, Y, and Z. This is how I can transform your business. This is like all the benefits that I can bring to you. Uh, I know you don't currently have a technical role in this department that is interviewing me currently, but um, let's see what we can do here, right? And so we, we essentially just created a new role like from scratch, like this data analyst title or whatever you wanna call it, didn't exist before. Uh, what I really do on my day to day isn't necessarily the most technical data analytics that like other analysts might be doing. It's a really a combination of digital strategy, um, marketing, and then uh, analytics as well, right? So a little bit about my day to day. So I currently, I work in the global partnerships department, right? So MLC is broken down into multiple revenue drivers that are departments. So ticketing, obviously like MLC, they make most of their money from ticketing. Another one is merchandising and revenue and that are merchandising and retail. And then the last is global partnerships. So essentially anytime you hear about uh, like a, a partnership between the Toronto Raptors and McDonald's, for example, free fries for all mm -hmm. Canada after like they, yeah. they score like 12 uh, three pointers in a row or whatever, right? Or those Google home spots that you see like on YouTube and stuff with all of our players. All of those activations and programs are basically created by uh, my department and my team. So, mm -hmm. Day-to-day -day is very different. I work on uh, probably over 50 accounts, like, and these accounts exist of like companies such as Google, uh, Microsoft, Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, like you name a company in Canada or even in like the United States, they're probably the official something of like the Raptors or these, just because yeah. they're the two biggest like sports entities in Canada, right? So essentially what I do is our partners, they come to us with objectives and goals. They'll say, hey, MLSE, we want to, let's say, increase market share within uh, X category in, uh, in the Canadian market. How can we leverage your brand in order to do so? And then essentially we come up with that strategy, the marketing plan, and we execute it. And then it's seen by millions of Canadians across, across the country and it's, it has a lot of impact. So that's like a really quick description of my day-to-day, -day, I guess. But, but yeah. Well, that's a, like a that's great story to just like, she was like, I lied on the thing. And then now I'm like, the rest is history. That's like a sick story to just have, like, you know, did you ever like end up telling the people like, you know, I, I was actually a second year or is that like something that you just like, yeah. 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 So, so in, when I competed in my second year, we won the Shulik round and then we went to nationals and we placed third place overall. Right. Mm. And so that, that, that was the year that like, it was against like MBA students, like for the first place teams, MBA students, the second place team were all MBA students. And mm. then we were undergrads. Right. So there was like a networking mixer after the event essentially. And I went up to every single judge that I like presented in front of. And I, and I told them the truth. I was like, Hey, look, I was a second year, like I was networking my butt off. I was like, I'm yeah. a second year, look at look at what I was able to accomplish. I worked so hard with these group of guys. We placed third overall, you know, don't forget my name. I'll be back here next year. Like especially <laughs> just trying to do like my best just to yeah. get my name yeah. ingrained, right? So, and then they remembered me like the next year, like they saw me, they're like, oh, this kid's back, man. <laughs> um, it worked. But the thing is like everyone in that department specifically at most year, they're super nice, like super loving. Like when I say like, these are some of the nicest people I've ever worked with, like in my life, like they are by far, like it's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Something I want to ask on this line, like now that we've talked about what you do day to day, for me personally, it's very interesting because I'm actually looking to kind of get into the whole data analytics and like sure. strategy side of things. And even with like marketing. So like you mentioned that I'm like, wow, you know, check, check, check. <laughs> so selfish question. I'm asking for myself. I'm also asking for anyone else who's interested in the field. What's your biggest piece of advice for like current university students who want to get into data analytics and this sort of field? Yeah, great question. I think the biggest piece of advice um, I would have to give is um, just sort of just dive into it, essentially, right? Like at Schulich, you're not going to be able to take a course or a class that sort of focuses on specifically data analytics in, in marketing or in consulting or in finance even specifically, right? Uh, ultimately, what you have to do is take the initiative and dive right into it. So um, here's something that I did. When I was in my fourth year, um, I set up a Shopify store, right? I, I set up a Shopify store that sold uh, gym apparel. So like fitness apparel with like really stupid puns on it, essentially, right? It was like, do you even lift bro and stuff like that? But like a bit more creative than that. Um, and essentially what I did there was I took my passion for fitness. I took my passion for technology. I built a platform. And then you for that platform, in order to get it going and in order to get sales in, it's all analytics, it's all targeting, right? So that's where you're gonna get like the, the hands-on knowledge of how to use uh, Google Analytics, for example, how to set up a Google An Analytics account, connect that with your Shopify backend. Uh, set up Facebook uh, Business Manager, connect that with your Shopify backend to, to create targeted ads for whatever demographics uh, you're interested in targeting, right? So for me, that's essentially where I got my first taste of like analytics tools, right? Like I was never taught how to use Google Analytics or Facebook Business Manager or anything like that actually, right? Or even on like, or even during like an internship, I was never really given that opportunity just because uh, I never found like an analytics internship or like, it's just so generic and so general. I feel like analytics can now be applied to almost any type of field and industry uh, out there. It, it, it really just depends on like what your take on it is, like how you want to apply it in whatever industry you're currently in, right? So in sports, that's huge. Analytics is huge, right? When it actually comes to like player stats and um, uh, benchmarking and things of that nature, right? In business and partnerships and marketing, it's super huge. Essentially, that's how you set your KPIs. It's how you set your goals. It's how you measure success, essentially, right? It's, it's quantitative. It's all quantitative. So I, I would say like, if you wanted to get, I guess, a first take or your, or just like a chance to dive into analytics, set up something like a Shopify store. It's not, it's not that scary at all, to be honest. Like if you've ever set up like a we, uh, a what, uh, what's it called, like a Weebly or like a, like a, any kind of what, uh, what Wix website, type of yeah, like a Wix, for example, right? It's essentially a Wix, but it's a store on the back end, right? And you'll learn how to do it because they teach you how to do it when you're setting up your Shopify. Yeah. There's, there's hundreds of courses out there. I don't necessarily would recommend you having to take them because you can learn all this stuff if you just commit some time, just do it yourself, right? So that's mm -hmm. one thing I would have to say about that. You know, besides data analytics and things like that, uh, if, through MLSC, one thing that we also notice is that you're part of the Board of Diversity and Equity and Inclusivity of, of this company, which deals with like uh, equity in sports and youth development and things like that. Uh, given your take on it, uh, what's like something, like your biggest thing that you guys are working on right now when it comes to like changes in the future and things like that? Yeah, um, so the 
uh, Diversity and Equity Board is like this huge initiative that MLSC introduced, I would say, uh, last March, essentially. One of our first events occurred last March when this whole pandemic thing like sort of like broke out, right? Obviously, all of, all of uh, the NBA games and NHL games were postponed and nothing was happening within our facilities, even at BMO Field for like TFC games and stuff, everything. So essentially had these huge buildings with literally like nothing happening in them, in, in them right, uh, in downtown Toronto. So we thought, what could we do with all the space? What could we do with all the resources and all the things that we have in this facility, right? So what we realized was that we had a lot of food, right? Like concessions are like a huge part of our business. And um, we also own two restaurants, uh, Real Sports uh, and Eleven, which are like two restaurants right outside of Scotiabank Arena. So we had just a lot of food that was going to waste. So we thought, hey, let's transform Scotiabank Arena into the the largest Canadian kitchen and essentially just create as many meals as we can over the course of the next few weeks, two months, and just donate them back to uh, everyone that needs them, right? So essentially we were able to uh, put together 500,000 meals for people in need. Uh, we transformed Scotiabank Arena and BMO Field into kitchens and we executed that activation twice. So once was during March and then once was also recently, I would say, this past December, right? So those are some of the two biggest things that we were doing just for in terms of like uh, equity and um, also on the diversity front, this is something that is also something that we tried to introduce this past year. We essentially hired a new senior vice president of equity, diversity and inclusion, right? Her name is Terry, super, super nice lady. Essentially she came in with the idea, uh, with the idea that MLSC is a huge company, right? Like our brands are huge. We affect the lives of so many fans around um, in Canada. What more can we do through our brands? What like there's so many voices that are heard from our players. For example, Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet. These guys have some really powerful voices, right? How can we leverage some of these all stars and create a change or create impact within um, the country, essentially, right? We haven't really created any programs um, recently that have like launched or anything, but there are programs in the works that um, I'm super excited to see happening. That I, I don't know if I can, if I'm allowed yeah. to talk about the programs right now, just because they're a bit confidential, but there's stuff coming. So hundred um, percent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, one question that we wanted to ask just a little bit more uh, lighthearted as two people who know borderline nothing about it is we we saw that you'd taken a course on the elements of blockchain application development in ethereum yeah. and uh naturally like absolutely we got to ask where do you see like the future of crypto going and this whole ethereum and bitcoin like run that's been going on lately what do you think about that yeah so that's a that's a really big question i'd say um just jump into like the basics right let's just jump into the difference between bitcoin and ethereum like to start off, right so bitcoin is obviously a cryptocurrency right it's intended to be an alternative to the fiat currency that is printed by banks and that's essentially all it all it is it doesn't really do anything else whereas ethereum on the other hand is an entire platform right so with ethereum unlike bitcoin uh, developers can build their own blockchain-based programs called uh, 
uh, what's it called? Decentralized apps or dApps, right? And then they have them run on that network. With, with dApps, developers can build and implement something called smart contracts, which is essentially just computer code that automatically carries out a task when certain conditions on the contract are met, right? Without the use or without the need for human-like intervention, essentially. But much like regular apps, like on a, on a computer or on a phone, uh, dApps can do a bunch of like interesting things, right? So on the Ethereum network specifically, uh, there are social networks, there's advertising systems, there's payment services um, these, that facilitate like billions of dollars in like cross-border payments, right? Like companies like game companies and stock exchanges and even investment banks all have started like building on um, the Ethereum uh, blockchain essentially, right? So Ether or uh, like ETH essentially is the cryptocurrency that's used to run programs on on the ethereum network and it's it's a little like using like uh, gas to just power a car right just like bitcoin um or ether can also be traded against other cryptocurrencies including bitcoin and i think like ethereum's like uh market cap is less than like a tenth of what bitcoin is at right now right so essentially the future of Bitcoin and crypto and Ethereum, like it's honestly, it's such a huge concept just because like, I would say that right now we're obviously in a technological revolution, right? Where we had like the industrial revolution um, in the 1900s. Like this is something that's super new, super like uncharted. Over the past few years, I know there's been like some huge developments in, in, in the crypto world, but right now, all I can say is that crypto is pretty much speculative, right? The reason why like the price of like, uh, Bitcoin hit 50k like this past like literally like today or yesterday is because of speculation right there's nothing yeah. there's no there's no banks that back this currency there's no there's no they're not like uh, super I would say trustable or trustworthy currencies to like put all your like uh, investments into or like put all your money into right okay. I think it's uh, an easy way to make a quick buck right now but I do think that Ethereum and like the blockchain itself is a good technology that a lot of applications can be built on in the future that are going to be a lot more safer, a lot more compact and a lot more efficient, right? So I think that's like the difference between the two. I, mean, that's, I guess we could just wait and see to see what happens with that. If it actually ends up being something that maybe like this conversation is like kind of, we look back at it and we realize that it was either bigger or like, you know, I just kind of faded out like a fad, but yeah, we're going to wait and see. I don't, I don't, I don't think blockchain is a fad. I don't think crypto is a fad. I think hmm. I've been like in the crypto slash blockchain space for like since 2015, I would say at least. Right. And I've hmm. even tried to build like a few applications on the Ethereum network. And that's essentially what that uh, elements in Ethereum course was. It was essentially an, uh, a master's of business analytics course. So like the MBAN program at Shulik was doing like this like two day, uh, like over the weekend type of course for anyone that really wanted to be a part of it. And my my OMIS prof at the time when I was in third year, basically just like, was like, Shad, I know you're inter you're interested in this stuff. You wanna hop on this project and like build something on the Ethereum network. And I was like, yeah, sure, let me learn how to do it. So we built some like cool stuff on it. Um, yeah, that's solid. I mean, I yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes, hopefully. It's not a fad. I've already taken out a 500,000 line of credit, uh, put it all into Bitcoin. <laughs> I hope that's only 5% of your portfolio though. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that obviously we've noticed is that you are able to, uh, I guess, 
deal into like all these different aspects of like not only business but i guess like other hobbies as well and one thing that we noticed is that now you're kind of i guess dipping your toe in the water when it comes to photography and things like that and um first of all like i'm interested a bit in photography myself yeah. do you think it's more like a for you for yourself is it more like a relaxing hobby that you just do or is it like a potential venture that you'd like to kind of pursue in the future type of thing yeah um so photography is interesting so essentially I've always been like, I've always considered myself to be like artistic, right? Like I've always been like the artsy visual type of person growing up, like our student, I guess. As a kid, like I loved drawing for some reason. Like I just loved, I was, I was super into Pokemon like when I was a kid, right? And I loved like the different the character designs and like the hundreds of different designs that there were for like Pokemon, for example, mm-hmm. right? And there was this time when I was a kid where I essentially just drew every single Pokemon like by hand on a piece of like lined paper and I put them all up on my wall and then the day I was done my mom walked into my room and was like what the heck are you doing why is there so much tape and paper on the wall and she like tore it all down like the next day so like that was like one of the biggest like disappointments in my life but um I think that's sort of where like my creative like side sort of just started right it just started with art it developed into graphic design so learning how to do photoshop illustrator things of that nature and then it developed into uh what's it called front-end design so developing apps developing websites and then photography was something that just always like complemented uh those skills just because like whenever you're like you're developing let's say a poster or something in photoshop it's just great to have like great photos great shots great uh, composites Mm -hmm. of whatever uh product you're building for example right so photography is something that (sighs) it I don't know if it started off as like just a personal thing. Like it's always, I think my mind has always been set on like, how can I turn my passions into ventures? Like how can I turn what I'm good at and what I love doing into something that makes money for me at the end of the day? Like, I know that's not probably the best way to think about it, but like that's sort of just like how my brain works. Like, it's like, sure, I can have fun doing this, but like, how can I also make this productive? How can I like uh, essentially make, yeah, make money off of it, right? So. The shots that I've taken in the past, I've all done on the same camera that I've had for eight years. It's a Canon T3i. It's a really old camera, but I have a 50 millimeter on it lens and it, it just like does it the job for me. It does everything I need to do for, uh, for me. I've uploaded a lot of my photos on Unsplash, which is essentially a creator platform that, uh, that, that hosts like a bunch of uh, very high resolution uh, photos. So if you ever need like, what's it called? Uh, uh, what's it called? Like you don't have to pay for it. It's essentially free. But I upload my sh- some of my shots there, and then I also have uh, I also upload my photos onto Getty Images. So those are all um, paid for. Right? Like some of the higher resolution shots. But um, so yeah, once again, like I love doing it, but I've also like have attempted to make money off of it by putting it up on websites and stuff like that. Right. So it's a bit of both. I would say. I feel like yeah. With nowadays, I mean, I feel like beforehand, if you were like trying to dealing into tons of photography it was like more of a harder barrier to entry because mm-hmm. like if you didn't have a camera like a dslr or anything like that you can do it but now with like phones and everything kind of improving all together you can do that and one thing that i guess photography goes hand in hand with video editing is that something that you're also interested in at some point like dealing with her <laughs> yeah i've done a, a bit of video editing too in the past to be honest i feel like i've dabbled into like a bit of like everything to be honest just because like anything that's creative like i i, I just i've always like 
that's sort of what I've like gravitated towards. So video editing, I haven't done anything professionally, I think. I might have done like a wedding video or two, but uh, mostly just for school projects, mostly for Frosh. Like when I was doing like Frosh applications, I, I created a video every single year. I loved creating those videos. I just like, it was just so much fun just shooting with my friends and, and editing and just doing all that, especially like the voice editing and all that great stuff too. We, we created a music video in third year i believe when i was in my third year and i came out pretty great i don't know how to like search for it to be honest but it's on youtube if you just like, like, crush application the video editing is not that great at all but like it's it's just it was just fun it's fun, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a great time um and yeah 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 i remember that like uh i think in my first year i did like a cooking video with seba actually yeah like he like he made like a recipe for like uh uh, like like I think Chinese food or something like that and mm -hmm. yeah it was just fun to edit like it's it doesn't need to be perfect obviously like you're just yeah. starting out but it's yeah. it's just yeah. like a fun thing to do yeah exactly. I guess that actually what a transition that goes right into our next question which <laughs> is like you know trying to turn your hobbies into passion what the hell did I just say trying to turn your uh, hobbies into ventures and you know try and make an income out of it do things you enjoy for sure um one of the things we saw about you is um, that you had found a niche market of like Shulik entrepreneurs who were trying to get like a digital presence and didn't have that and were trying to get online. Yeah. And so you started with like front end design and like mm -hmm. becoming a UX consultant. So th that's a very good example of, you know, here's a problem. Here's something I can do with it. I enjoy this. Let me see if I can, you know, make a little bit of money off of it. What what's your advice for people trying to maybe take their hobbies, their passions and finding opportunities in these fields to try and make money in? Cause I feel like a lot of people think, Oh, uh, what I'm interested in isn't a, a money field. You know, I need to be interested in accounting or finance or a very, you know, common career path. What's your advice for people trying to get into these markets? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great question. I think, I think, the best thing is to always just think realistically, right? Like understand like exactly what you're good at, where it can be applied and how far you can take it essentially, right? Everything that I was always like, or every, anything that I gravitated towards, I always thought about it from a technical side. Like I always thought about how can I take what I'm good at and put it in front of like, thousands of eyes essentially right like how can I digitize this and how can I make this more accessible for people on the internet for example right so that's where I that's how I got the idea of turning physical art into graphic design that's where like video editing came in that's where front-end development came in just by being able to upload a lot of like my projects and stuff to the internet gave me so much more opportunity to uh, essentially commercialize or make money off of my passions essentially right it really depends like if if like sports is something that like for example like you're really passionate about like playing soccer or something like you just have to think about it realistically like if this is something that you want to take up professionally and go pro that's great but how can you maybe make some content along the way that you can maybe monetize or even have fun doing like for example shooting like highlight videos of yourself or even like skits and stuff that pertain to that subject and maybe just starting like a youtube channel right right that's like one that's one way of monetizing a passion just just youtube youtube is probably one of the biggest ways to monetize your passions right so 
yeah like it's it's a really it's a really big question because it depends on exactly like what you're interested in that's those are sort of the steps that i just i took right like just understanding what i was doing how i can essentially get this in front of more eyes and then um just always thinking about how i can still have fun and not not take the fun out of like what i love to do right so essentially that would be like one my one piece of advice for that right that's like some great advice that I feel like everyone can take from. Uh, well, thank you, Shadman, from for taking like time out of your day to be part of this podcast and to give us a little bit of advice on like business analytics and photography and art and you know <laughs> kind of share your, your knowledge and everything that all of these uh, ventures that you've uh, kind of uh, dipped your toe in. Uh, before uh, I guess we kind of end things off, is there anything uh, that you'd like like the audience to know about yourself or like that? Anything that you got going on in your life that you like to, I guess, let people know? Um, um, honestly, like, I think the only thing I got to say is, like, I just want everyone to know, like, I'm just a regular guy that just has regular <laughs> passions. I love, like, just that, that, that sort of just does, like, normal things, right? Like, I'm not anything special. I know, like, I feel like um, a lot of people assume that you have to achieve, like, really big things in life, right? And, like, be successful in certain elements. But at the end of the day, like, as long as you're doing stuff that's, that's making you happy and you're having a good time doing, like, the money side of it shouldn't always be a factor. I know that's something that like, I brought up in this podcast, but I don't think, like, the listeners should take that to heart, right? Like, if you right. truthfully, like, love what you're doing and you can spend time doing what you're doing and having a good time, like, that's all that matters, really, right? So that's probably the only thing I really wanted to add on um, to that point. But essentially, like, yeah, this, um, just do 